Chapter Sixteen of the Heart of Philura by Florence Morse Kingsley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. Malvina Bennett points a moral. Miss Malvina Bennett transferred a pin from her mouth to the heart-shaped cushion on the front of her gown with a quick, darting motion of her right hand, while with her left she gently propelled the lady she was fitting to a proper position before the mirror. "'There now, Miss Salter,' cried the little dressmaker. "'How'd you like the set of that waist? Ain't that bias drape over the left shoulder stylish? It's the very latest from Paris.' Mrs. Salter was a thin, stooped woman, with a lavender-tinted complexion lightly shaded with red about the tip of her pinched nose and the edges of her sparsely furnished eyelids. She sighed heavily as she surveyed the inchoate garment she was wearing. "'Seems to me,' she murmured, "'there's a pucker right under the left shoulder blade.' "'Of oh, course there is,' confirmed Miss Bennett, with professional superiority. "'I ain't put no pattern in there yet. "'You see, you holler right in where some folks bulges out.' "'I know I do,' acknowledged Mrs. Salter with mournful pride. "'I ain't got no lung to speak of on that side.' ain't had for years and years. The doctor says it's a perfect miracle I've lived as long as I have. Tis wonderful, chirped Miss Bennett, her head with its second best false front very much to one side. Anyway, you lasted out lots of big strong looking folks I could name. Say, I'm going to drape the skirt back and front like they make em this year. It's awful becoming to thin folks. But land, I do hope regular bunched overskirts ain't coming in again. I used to pretty nigh go crazy over some of the goods that come in the shop, getting them to loop just so. Talk about looping the loop. And basks with eight seams in the back, all boned. Remember how we used to make them, Mrs. Salter? I'd just got on to a secret way of shaping the darts in the front when, poof, they went out of style, like you'd blow out a candle. <laughs> oh, just a second, Mrs. Salter, till I stick a pin in under the arm and cut out the neck a mite. Hmm. Yes, low necks is going to be wore this season, and elbow sleeves. I'll make them that way, if you say so. But don't you think, seeing as you're so uh, kind of bony... Anyway, my bones is small said Mrs. Salter, with an acrimonious sniff. <laughs> That's more than some folks can say. So they be. Awful small and delicate, conceded Miss Bennett soothingly. I hardly ever fit anybody with your waist measure. There. Now I'll get you out of this right off. Mrs. Salter sank into a chair with a dismal moan. You got it off me just in time, Malvina, she announced weakly. One minute more and I'd have keeled right over. No, <clears throat> when can I expect this dress? I'm in kind of a hurry, because Mr. Salter's first wife's aunt is coming to visit. And of course, I want to look nice for her. Miss Bennett was setting long basting stitches, her thin lips puckered over a mouthful of pins. Mm, let me see, she mumbled, a glint of anticipatory joy in her eyes. Tomorrow? I'm going out to sew. 
i hadn't any idea of doing such a thing as a rule i only take in but to accommodate well i want to know commented mrs salter acidly me a trudging over here to be fitted with my weak heart it can be letter in the mail miss bennett went on pausing to restore the pins to her cushion in full enjoyment of the dramatic interval well you were saying it come in the mail prompted mrs salter with a hacking cough indicative of suppressed exasperation you could have knocked me down with a feather stated miss bennett searching busily among the properties on her table did you bring over any hooks and eyes mrs salter yes i did a full card they were the new kind you can't undo unless you try real hard oh yes here they be but there seems to be two gone mrs salter pinned her collar with an indignant glance at the dressmaker it was a full card she repeated right out of the store oh i remember i sewed two of them on your waist already oh now let me see i'll work on your dress to-day when i ain't busy with fittings miss reverend pettibone's coming in this afternoon she been there of course so she can tell me i always hate to sew for strangers unless i know something about em, good or bad mrs salter put on her hat jabbing home the large rhinestone pins with the effect of skewers who under the canopy be you talking about malvina bennett she inquired with acrimony you run on so kind of wild and rambling a body might think you was losing your mind miss bennett smiled complacently but her black eyes snapped oh i guess i got my faculties all right she said demurely but speaking of crazy folks have you heard whether the woman that lives up to the old eggleston place is in her right mind i dunno as i'd want to go if my grief you ain't going there to sew mm-hmm murmured miss bennett rendered once more temporarily speechless with pins mrs salter gently chafed the end of her thin nose with a highly starched and perfumed pocket handkerchief which she slowly unfolded from a rigid blue-white square well course mr salter's been going up there regular ever since they come so i don't suppose as anybody in town knows any more about em than i do when it comes to that oh interrogated miss bennett gazing at her customer over the top of her spectacles they buy quite a bill of groceries every week pursued mrs salter moving toward the door well i guess i'll be going now when you get my dress done don't be in such a hurry miss salter i was going to tell you you'll have to come in the last of the week to try on that waist again after i put in the padding a mite too much or too little makes an awful sight of difference in the set i suppose you've heard milly orne's helping out up there at the farm vouchsafed mrs salter her hand on the door they treat her like a common hired girl obed says she eats off the kitchen table if i was you i'd oh you don't have to worry none about her chirped miss bennett me and milly gits along first rate there ain't a nicer girl in this town well you'll find milly orne won't have nothing to say about the folks she works for 
sniffed mrs salter she ain't hardly said aye yes or no to mr salter for all he goes there's constant and him's taken an interest and like that but obed he, he ain't no kind of hand to notice what folks wear can't you tell me i says patient what mrs hill had on when she come out into the kitchen to give you the order and obed he shakes his head i think it was something kind of drab he says uncertain with white on it or black i disremember which <laughs> but there was one thing he did take notice of the young lady give him a letter to mail last monday just as he was going to the gate she was standing there hid behind a big bush waiting for him to come out obed says her eyes was big and scared looking and she kept a twist in her head back toward the house as if she expected somebody might be looking did he take the letter inquired miss bennett with breathless interest yes he did but no sooner had he driv out the gate with the letter in his pocket than he heard somebody a-hollering after him it was mrs hill she's kind of fleshy obed says but for all that she run like a deer i forgot something she says panting like she'd have a stroke it was a bottle of some queer kind of sauce they certainly do eat the most outlandish victuals i don't see how milly Orne can do their cooking well murmured miss bennett with a touch of impatience mrs salter sucked in her thin lips with an air of virtuous reserve i guess i'd better say no more ain't none of our business as obed says if she did want to get the letter back but there can't nobody help taking an interest broke in the little dressmaker eagerly there's one thing about me i don't never gossip as i tell mother i won't have no gossiping in my shop but there's a big difference between gossiping malicious and taking a deep interest in folks a body might as well be a buried corpse and have done with it if we didn't open our mouths to say a word that's the way i feel approved the grocer's wife well what she'd really come after was that letter she smiled pleasant and told obed it wasn't directed right so she'd take it up to the house and fix it he couldn't do nothing but give it to her of course who was it directed to breathed the little dressmaker hmm. wish i could tell you said mrs salter resentfully if it had been me i'd have seen to that before i put the letter in my pocket but obed he said he was figuring on looking at it careful after he got out the side of the house ain't that just like a man exactly agreed miss bennett warmly well if she was to ask me to mail a letter i'd pretend i'd lost it before i'd give it up i don't know why but i always feel like taking the part of young folks maybe it's because i feel young inside for all i lost my teeth and most of me hair you might mention casual you'd pass the post office on the way home suggested mrs salter but don't for mercy's sake let on i told you she might lay it to me and stop ordering off obed you don't have to worry none i guess i'd ought to know how to manage all kinds of folks by now seems as men and women ain't no different from hooks and eyes often and often i've thought about it settin here alone in my shop you've got to know how to match em up right for one thing and it does seem as though the lord made mistakes that-a-way 
putting two hooks opposite that won't jibe no matter what you do or else sewing on an eye two sizes too big for the hook or mrs salter tossed her head with matronly arrogance i suppose an unmarried female does get queer notions o living alone so constant she said as she opened the door but there can't nobody understand men folks unless they's married to one of them oh, i thank the lord i ain't every night of my life on bended knee retaliated the little dressmaker with spirit when i look around this here town and see the poor spiritless critters some of em actually drove to drink by their wives and others of em not earn the victuals they put in their mouths but mrs salter was already halfway to the gate her rasped nose uplifted to an outraged heaven miss bennett stood on the doorstep with a pleasing sense of victory her faded eyes roving up and down the quiet street it was pleasant out of doors for an instant she considered the project of bringing her sewing down to the front stoop for the afternoon only to abandon it with a sigh there was her neuralgia for one thing so inalienable a possession that miss bennett was wont to speak of it with pride as if she'd bought and paid for it she did things on account of her neuralgia and omitted others for the same cogent reason the warm breeze which shook faint fragrance from the old-fashioned white roses in miss bennett's front yard lifted wisps of the second best false front from off her wrinkled forehead with terrifying boldness oh, if i was to set in this breeze she cogitated my neuralgia would get right up on its ear and i wouldn't sleep a wink with it to-night oh, the closer i keep it the better it is as she reached this sacrificial conclusion her eyes lighted upon her erstwhile neighbour philura pettibone walking swiftly down the street miss bennett remarked the set of her blue foulard with professional interest i never done a better job she told herself but it's out of style something scandalous <laughs> the minister's wife unlatched the gate smiling a greeting over its top at the dressmaker her cheeks were pinker than the faded rose in her hat and her blue eyes had a sort of glorified shine i'm late i know she said as she mounted the steps but mrs puffer and mrs beals came to see me this afternoon and brought all the children for the land's sake oh not the puffer twins and all i should hope was it mrs undertaker beals or her as twas jane bascom both of em's got plenty of children it was jane bascom said mrs pettibone oh malvina have you seen her littlest baby me no i ain't sniffed miss bennett jane bought her last dress ready made she had the nerve to stop me right in the street and wear in the dress and tell me she didn't have no time for getting a dress made she said sam beale bought it for her in the city before she was up and around <laughs> it looks like it i says just like that i says casting my eye down the hang of the skirt well if you're satisfied i said the baby's a girl murmured mrs pettibone softly <sighs> commented miss bennett so's all her others ain't they how many's she got now five oh they're all pretty children you remember how pretty jane used to be malvina but the littlest baby she let me hold it miss bennett surveyed her pastor's wife with puzzled interest 
i didn't know you was so fond of children philura she said wonderingly oh there i went and forgot again now that you're mrs reverend pettibone i ought to remember to call you by that name there ain't no telling how long you'll have it mrs pettibone looked startled and the pink faded a little in her thin cheeks why what do you mean malvina miss bennett turned and began the ascent of the narrow stair i can't stand here no longer in this wind with my neuralgia she said over her shoulder come right and up your waist's all basted and ready to try on mrs pettibone did not repeat her question but her face still wore a troubled look as she obediently surveyed her small figure in miss bennett's mirror no don't you go to worrying about what i said advised miss bennett as she pinned in a sleeve i don't know what possessed me but you kind of put me in mind of your husband's first wife just for a minute i put you in mind oh you don't look none like the first mrs pettibone no more than i do and i guess i oughtn't to name her to you anyhow why not asked the second mrs pettibone in a small weak voice why shouldn't you speak of her to me oh i dunno some folks don't like to think there was anybody before em like an ostrich sticking their head in the sand i say i remember miss gus bogert she as twas emmeline post emmeline was his third when she was first married she went round the house sly hunting up all the photos of the other two and fast as she found em she burnt em up in the kitchen stove well gus he'd had a big crayon portrait of his first wife made and hung up in the parlour and the second mrs bogert she as twas minnie fisher well she left it hanging right over the sofy all during her time but emmeline took it down when gus was off on one of his trips she didn't durst burn it but she put it up in the attic way in under the eaves and hung up in place of it a real nice premium picture she'd got for soap wrappers it was of a lady i remember dressed in red low neck and short sleeves looking roguish to one side of a big black fan twas real handsome and a sight cheerfuller than the crayon picture of the first miss bogert well pretty soon back comes gus from his trip and marches into the parlour with emmeline tagging behind so nervous she didn't know one from t'other gus looks around casual and takes out his pipe and fills it emmeline watching him like a cat would a mouse um, seem good to get home gus says she innocent oh you bet says he and sets down in the patent rocker and begins smoking his pipe by me he says soft like you speaking to hisself i never knowed what i lost when i buried the first miss bogert and he sighs heavy looking up at the picture of the lady in the red dress she certainly was the handsomest of the three he says thoughtful and there wasn't a selfish hair in her head now miss pettibone if you'll take this waist off and put a shawl around you just for a minute i'll stitch up the seams and give it another try on and then you won't have to come again well emmeline she stood it just for three days every time gus come in the house he'd go and stand mournful in front of the picture of the lady in the red low neck and short sleeve dress oh, she had beautiful neck and arms 
white and round and a little more showing than ought to be be rights while emmeline was dark complected and had all her dress waist padded out to make em look anyhow oh good land did i stick you with a pin i ought to be more careful now you set right down philura and look at the fashions i won't be a minute the sound of the sewing machine driven at furious speed filled the silence while mrs pettibone gazed unseeingly at the picture of a very tall pink and white lady in a low-necked gown she was seeing instead an old-fashioned photograph of a woman with sweet wistful eyes and a full curl of dark hair lying softly across her round white neck there said miss bennett snipping off the threads now i'll slip this on and see how it is you don't seem to gain much flesh mrs pettibone and if you don't mind i'm going to slip in just a mite of cotton under the lining you'd rather not oh all right oh i can loosen up the goods and put a draped fichu across the front they're wearing them this season and they're a real godsend to thin folks like you and emmeline bogart oh that's right that puts me in mind i didn't tell you what emmeline done about the picture did i well as i was saying she stood it for three long days then one morning when gus was to the store she took down the picture of the beautiful lady with the black fan she'd come to hate it be now <laughs> and took it up to the attic and shoved it way back in under the eaves but the crayon portrait of the first mrs bogart she carried downstairs and washed its glass careful and hung it up over the sofy she told me afterwards when i was there making up her mourning for gus it looked real good to see it there says she earnest i never knowed the first mrs bogart but i felt she was like a sister and come to look the picture wasn't that different from emmeline herself being dark complected and flat chested and like that with her hair done up on top and hairpin frizzes emmeline never took it down no more except at house cleaning time and at gus's funeral some of us noticed she'd put a wreath of white everlastings on the frame the minister's wife had already reached the gate when she paused aware of the patter of miss bennett's slippered feet in swift pursuit land if i didn't forget to ask you about them folks up to the eggleston place said the little dressmaker and i had it in mind special <laughs> but speaking of the third mrs bogart sort of shoved it back like you will a paper pattern when you're looking for something else in the bureau drawer but mrs pettibone appeared unable to add to miss bennett's meagre store of information do you mean to tell me for your rice that you don't know at all what kind of folks they be cross-questioned miss bennett sternly and you were going there twice already you must a noticed something well if they're real dressy folks them that has silk linings to their everyday clothes and like that or if they're the sort that wears ready-mades for best mrs pettibone considered gravely her hand on the gate mrs hill impressed me as being a person of means and yes education she said with dignified reserve well prompted miss bennett casting her apron over her head in tardy recognition of her neuralgia shall i wear my best hair front and my black henrietta for em or put on my old brown they're not very social people i should say hesitated mrs pettibone 
at a loss to interpret Miss Bennett's question. Hmm. Stuck up and proud, inferred the dressmaker. Well, just the same, I shall wear my Sunday go to meetings. Let em know first off, I'm full as good as they be, if I do so for a living. I can protect my Henrietta with an apron, and I don't care if it takes a week to pick the threads off. And with that she turned and marched into the house. End of chapter 16